Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to the Sonic Cloth. This is your boy Jamil, and this one hits close to home, people. Because in this rabbit hole, we're heading east. And we're going to lands and a people that look a lot more like me. So since, you know, I was a kid, I've been continuously exposed to Arabic music. You know, whether it be the pop music, my mom would play on cassettes. You know, she would bring these cassettes back from Palestine and Jordan to, you know, like the local Arabic band who played at like every person's wedding to the live Feirouz DVDs that kind of would echo through my house. I mean, even like me as a kid living in the diaspora who only cared about Super Nintendo and basketball, you know, these are sounds that are nostalgic, they're comforting, they're at times annoying, and they're a total reminder of a people and a land that I could have very well been born into. So I had no appreciation for this kind of music back then. And even now, I don't find myself going back to a lot of like the classical stuff myself. But, you know, when I do, it, this music does hit me differently. But what we're trying to do today is, is bridge two divides. One being music from the Levant, the Middle East, North Africa, and Central Asia. You know, music that leans on the traits that define our music. The, the Arabic maqam, the you know, different arrays of rhythmic patterns that we gravitate towards, regional scales, kind of like virtuosic kind of singing, and notes. Uh, lots and lots of notes. We like a lot of notes. And the second divide is just all the weird shit that has infected my listening habits. And I'll say right off the top that the title of this episode is a bit misleading because while we're definitely going to be messing around with the Middle East, we'll also be hearing some artists that draw sounds out from North Africa and Central Asia. So I'm thinking of, you know, places like Afghanistan and Iran and Morocco. But the common thread here is that these artists all are adventurous in their approach to music. And it's not because they're incorporating music from this region into their sound but because they're genuinely like explorative type of artists. And what we're after here is more than just some dude playing around with like double harmonic scales or shredding on a nude. I mean, it would have been very easy to like put together a playlist of Mideast North African region artists, you know, playing Western music or the inverse, like even Western musicians with like an Arab music fetish. I mean, like Coldplay probably has a vaguely Middle Eastern sounding song. And if you've ever heard, uh, what is it, Desert Rain by Sting, then you know how hilariously bad this shit can get. So while most of these artists are from the region itself, there's definitely some Westerners in the bunch. But, you know, with those selections, these are mostly, these are definitely artists who are in some kind of like deep reverence to the original sounds and styles and really doing their own thing with it. So, you know, that's how I justify them making the cut. But at, at the end of the day, we're like, we're after jams here. And, you know, they can come from anywhere or anyone so long as they are a said jam. I mean, there's no brown quota being applied here, but naturally the bulk of the stuff that is speaking to me, you know, has a direct through line, you know, whether it be ethnic or cultural or uh, religious, 
So, I mean, you know, by extension, we're mostly hearing brown artists here who are, you know, maybe they're fucking with the sounds they've been exposed to throughout their lives. Maybe they're trying to push certain things forward. Or maybe they're just chasing the, you know, their creative dragon. You know, stylistically, this stuff is all over the map. So we're going to hear everything from classical Arabic music arrangements to, you know, more pop type music to punk to uh, electro dubka music to like four track noisy kind of shit to Palestinian hip hop. So this is definitely not a genre rabbit hole episode. It's a sound and a place and a people rabbit hole episode. Now, um, before we get into the actual music, you know, in terms of like, I was thinking to myself, like in terms of influences and touchstones, it's kind of pointless because we're not drilling down on any one genre here. But I thought a little bit more. And I think that there's some spiritual forefathers that were mining the near east for inspiration and like sonics groups that i know for sure have had some influence on some of these artists i'm gonna play but it's kind of more about the trail that they set out than any like direct sound to sound type influence and there's three artists that i'm thinking of specifically the first one is uh, a band called the sun city girls who are actually from my state of arizona they're actually even from phoenix and I'll go ahead and shout out AZ. It's probably Sun City Girls are the only thing I'd ever want to shout out Arizona for. But uh, Sun City Girls are a musical rabbit hole onto themselves. I mean, I don't really know what to say about this band other than that they were an incredibly fucked band whose catalog I can't even really begin to describe. And honestly, it's not even a catalog I can fully digest. But without a doubt, these guys were the absolute punkest band on the planet and i'm not even talking about like the genre of punk music because that's not what they played like these guys were just out to fuck with everyone and everything just a completely original band completely original music that is but like on one hand off-putting in a lot of ways and on the other hand like the sort of thing you listen to and just marvel at and, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people say if you're starting off with this band, two good places to start, aka the most accessible places to start, are um, the albums Torch of the Mystics, and then the second album is Funeral Mariachi, and then just kind of go from there and, and see what happens. Uh, the second artist that I think might be a touchstone here is an artist called Muslim Gaz. So this dude was a British electronic musician and he was totally obsessed with like the geopolitics of the middle east like especially as it relates to like western warmongering and conquests and intervention i mean his albums like all 90 of them uh look and sound like pan-arab like militant guerrilla revolutionary propaganda i mean it's just insane stuff but the dude was totally genuine about this and not just using that stuff as like a cool or like edgy aesthetic. Like Muslim Gods was one of those artists you enjoy, like you enjoy their music, but you have to worry about like the dude, like as you're sitting there listening to the music and sort of glancing at the album cover and reading about this guy. And I, I'm not a big techno guy at all, like at all, but I, I guess this dude influenced like all of that like martial tribal techno and like 
some of this like cryptic kind of like dubby ambient techno stuff that like all the noise kids are going crazy for these days and the last sort of spiritual precedent that might fit in here well it definitely fits in here i mean this is this is the one that fits in the best uh, actually is uh sam shalabi who is an egyptian canadian oud player He's an improviser. I think he's he's also yeah he's also definitely a composer who has been making music since the 70s. This is a guy who's had his hands in so many styles. I mean like modern Arabic music, experimental Arabic music, punk, jazz, noise, like like lots more too. I mean his main projects are the Shalabi Effect and Land of Kush, and he's played on a lot of Sun City Girls kind of like related projects with members of that band. But his influence on the music we're going to hear today is actually pretty direct. Like, I believe he's involved in producing or playing on a couple of the tracks we're about to hear. And that just is by happenstance. So yeah, this guy is definitely like a, a true OG of this weirdo Arabic shit. Alright, I think we're ready to get into this thing. Let's just queue up some sting and hop on a magic carpet. We're starting things off here with a track from the artist Jerusalem in My Heart. The track name is Amanem, and this is off Jerusalem in My Heart's first album, Muhit Al Muhit. So, Jerusalem in My Heart is a Lebanese Canadian uh, composer, producer, musician named uh, Radwan Ghazi Mumne. And uh, it's definitely like an ever-evolving and pretty strange project. Um, and there's definitely a few things that make Jerusalem in my heart really stand out. I would say like the the use of uh, traditional, uh, what's called melismatic singing, which is basically just a fancy way of describing singing that uses like a single syllable to carry a ton of different notes, um, as well as his... Uh, bazook playing um which is amplified so a bazook is a long like neck kind of fretted lute type instrument similar to a bazooki if you know what that is it's a greek instrument and he uses a lot of electronics and kind of like 70s sounding krautrock era kind of like sounding synths um it could be very intense music and this particular track fits that description for sure um, in this track, you have like these bouts of multi-tracked singing and like a faint drone happening. And then it gets like broken up by these like bursts of uh, bazook playing. And it's like it's very stirring. And you might say that I'm trying to like put you off on this episode right from the get go. And I don't know, maybe I am. But, you know, I, I think that all three of his albums are worth your time. And they're actually very diverse musically. But um, I think it's his haunting tracks like this one, which really make like the, you know, the hair on the back of my neck stand. And this is the stuff that I really speaks to me from this project. Although I, th I think anything this guy tries to do, he's generally successful at. Another thing is like a, I, I was in a record store not that long ago, and um, I found a record by Feirouz, who's like a super popular uh, uh, Lebanese uh, singer in their world. And um, I found a record of hers, and the name of the record is Jerusalem in My Heart, so I had to pick it up. 
Um, so I'm wondering if that's where this homie might have gotten his name from. I mean, it could be wrong. But anyway, this is an incredible track. Definitely uh, coming at you very intense uh, right from the get-go. Uh, and definitely on the dark side of things. But um, I think it's a, it's a good plunge into this world.
Okay, we're going in a totally different direction now. The next track is from an artist named Mukata, and the track is called Marj Ibn Amr, and this is from a 2018 album called Enkana Kuntu. And Mukata, which in Arabic means to disrupt, is a Palestinian producer and artist from uh, Ramallah, which is like a pretty dense city in the West Bank territory. Um, it's actually a place that I have a lot of family at, and I'm fairly familiar with myself. So Mukata's music is is pretty interesting because while it fits into like a greater context of like grimy instrumental hip hop and electronic music, his approach to like sound and collecting sound and sort of collaging it together really adds a lot to the listening experience. Uh, Mukata famously samples like snippets of like classical Arabic records into his music as well as like makes his own field recordings out of like say like interactions at Israeli like checkpoints or just like the the sounds of the city and the market and that kind of thing but it's this atmosphere that like that atmosphere really depicts like the surveillance state that like Palestinians truly live under and his music at the same time, while it's like heavy, it's also really fun to listen to because it almost becomes like a game trying to pick up like all of the incoming and outgoing sounds. Um, you know, it tends to be kind of moody music and you can tell that it's intimately connected with the artist's environment and perhaps how they feel about things. Um, it's also just some of the best like production out there these days if you're into like very noisy beat driven hip hop.
Next up is a track from an artist named Neda Al-Shazli. The track is called uh, Pamria or Pomria. I'm not sure exactly how to say that. I know I'm butchering names left and right. My Arabic is not not where it should be. Um, but Neda Al-Shazli is a Cairo-based producer, composer, performer, musician, and this track is off of her first solo release uh, titled Ahwar. And um, this is an album that was put together in collaboration with uh, Maurice Luca, who is someone we're going to hear a track from later on, and uh, uh, Sam Shalabi, who I mentioned in the intro. So I've read uh, that there's a really great like collaborative, experimental, and like improv music scene in Cairo that's been kind of happening over the past uh, you know four or five six years that involves you know people like. Uh, Sam and uh, Nada and Maurice Luca and also Alan Bishop of Sun City Girls, another group that I mentioned earlier um, in the intro, along with a lot of other musicians and, and collaborators and like sort of studio owners and stuff. But it's it's the scene has been like written up in like magazines like The Wire and whatnot. But um, the, the cool thing about this is that, you know, all of those artists have produced a lot of really great music individually, but also in collaboration with each other. So I'd recommend starting with any of those artists and, and you can really just follow like a Cairo scene rabbit hole. Um, as for this artist and song, um, it's a really strong example of what you can do with pretty like minimal instrumentation, uh, some kind of ear towards like classical and modern Arabic music. But also like I'm hearing like a love of like experimental pop, like music and production, you know, maybe thinking stuff like Bjork or even The Knife that kind of thing. So it's a cool medley of sounds and this is a great little mini album. I think it's like five or six tracks. And this is probably the most accessible track on the record. So um, the album is definitely pretty adventurous listen um, from someone I think is a really talented young vocalist and musician.
So this next one is actually on the same label that uh, Neda Al-Shazli track that I just played for you is on, and that is Noah Recordings. Um, so go to Noah Recordings. Uh, you can find them on Bandcamp. That's N-A-W-A. And uh, that's definitely also a great little rabbit hole right there. So this next track is from a duo. They're called Two or the Dragon. And they put out an EP in 2017 called Prelude for the Triumphant Man. It's uh, de their debut EP. It's only three tracks, about like just under 20 minutes long. So this group was um, founded in 2014, and I'm going to kind of read, read to you from their band camp because uh, they can describe themselves infinitely better than I possibly could. Founded in 2014 under the premise of exploring Arabic music's ability to express industrial cityscapes and the violence that has plagued the Arab world. The duo's unique sound of processed bazook and various hand percussions take the sonic and visual day-to-day -day that is Beirut and reflect it hyper-realistically. So um, this EP is, is one of my favorites, and it's three tracks, um, and it kind of plays continuously. But this song, I mean, it's really just a, a totally insane song. I mean, the, the sounds and the tones these guys are getting out of their instruments especially the bazook, which, you know, if you recall, we heard the bazook on uh, that Jerusalem in my heart track right off the top there. But the tones this guy is getting from the bazook and also what I'm assuming is some kind of post-production processing, but I suppose it might not be. It could be some kind of like effects or like uh, some kind of pedals or something that he's using to get these like really start and stop kind of sounds. I mean, what it sounds like to me with the bazook playing is almost like the electricity is like flickering on and off and like kind of contorting and twisting in weird ways and, and creating these these strange sort of abrasive sounds. But they're very rhythmic too. Like they're 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 consciously placed and what he's doing is really cool. I mean, it's almost like in a weird fucked up way like when Tom Morello would like have a solo and he's kind of like do all these whammy sort of tricks and like this sort of like rhythmic like rap inspired sort of stuff with a guitar that people hadn't heard before I feel like this guy is doing similar stuff but <laughs> in a t completely different context and it's not in a show-offy kind of way it's they're obviously this group is trying to uh, present like a an aesthetic through the sound, you know, based on like that initial description of like the industrial cityscapes and, and violence and stuff like that. This entire EP is really just some next level shit, in my opinion. Uh, I really wanted to play the third track on that EP, but it's just so insanely menacing. And I feel like I've already covered a lot of that ground with my selections. So I went for something a little more upbeat. So this is a, this is a fun track, but it's also a track that you just sit there and you're like, wow, how can two guys make something like this?
This next one is by Ivan Kang, and the track is called Invisis Natalis, and the album is called The Narrow Garden. Uh, this is a record that is a live album. It was put out in 2012 on Ipecac Recordings, which uh, is Mike Patton's label. So, you know, all my early 90s metal bros are going to know who that is. For everyone else, it's, it's really not important at all. But Ivan Kang is an uh, American composer, uh, violinist, and if you're familiar at all with bands like Mr. Bungle or Secret Chiefs 3, like what he's doing here is kind of basically a more refined concept than what those bands typically do, which was like lean heavily on like kind of almost cartoonish sounding like Middle Eastern classical music. But then they would drop like crazy drum and bass drops in the middle of, the, of that or like death metal or other crazy shit in a very like schizophrenic kind of way. And this is not that. I mean, this is like in an ensemble track with like flutes and bassoons and like strings and a lot of other instruments that I, I probably would not be able to recognize at all. I mean, this music sounds old. It sounds like ritual court music. And it's being propelled by this like uh, this rhythm and the song just gets kind of gets noisier and more sinister as it progresses. I mean, it has a lot of like Middle Eastern instruments and rhythms in it, but it's really hitting the spot of like Persian classical music. And the vocalist on this track, uh, Jessica Kenny, is actually a uh, classically trained in Persian vocal music. But uh, I love a lot of Ivan King's music. Um, this guy dabbles a lot in like the experimental scene with bands like Sun. And he often experiments with like Eastern chamber music, which really only shows up on like a couple of his albums, but it's definitely very pronounced on this record. I mean, I listened to like this song and I just imagine like, I don't know, like a late night Ottoman era court ritual or something like that. You know, maybe some opium is being smoked. Maybe, maybe there's an orgy. Maybe there's a beheading. Like, I don't know. It's just really like a, a hypnotic and meticulously composed song. And it doesn't belong like in modern times at all. And I don't know. I think it rules the artists are like going back that far for inspiration. Thank you. 
This next one is by Sun Trio, so that's spelled S-U-N-N, Trio, and the track is called uh, Shaitan, which is the devil. And Sun Trio are a band from Phoenix, Arizona, um, who operate around the main songwriter Joel Robinson. And sometimes they're a three-piece guitar, bass, and drums unit, and other times they involve into a band with a lot of other players. And I guess they kind of shapeshift depending on what they're doing at the time. And these guys are really into like improvisational shows and recordings. So this track is off their 2018 album, uh, Feirus, and it's definitely a barn burner. I mean, this thing is just like a total assault of reverbed out, you know, almost surfy sounding guitar. Which actually, if, if you've ever wondered why like surf guitar sounds like Arabic music scales... It's because Dick Dale's father was uh, Lebanese, and that influence came out in like the early style of his playing. You know, being exposed to those sounds and those like Eastern scales. But anyway, Sun Trio are a band that like you know really project the sound of like the Sonoran Desert all the way to like the Saharan Desert. Like these guys are total weirdos that are obsessed with free jazz and weirdo punk rock, like the Sun City Girls and in Arabic music as well. And the records are actually pretty sonically diverse but every album of theirs has like a few tracks that are just like these really furious jams that sound like a young Arab band who like grew up on traditional Arabic music but are trying to like emulate hardcore punk
Okay, we've got uh, three more to get through. This next one is from Naojoanan Bedar. And the track is called Blood Can't Clean Blood, which is, you know, you hear a song title like that and how, and how do you not press play, right? So uh, Naojoanan Bedar is the latest project of an artist named N.R. Safi. And um, I'm reading from Bandcamp now. So with roots in the now endangered sounds of 1970s Afghan cassette culture, now Joanan Baydar filters the traditional music of Safi's paternal heritage through a labyrinth, labyrinth of buzzing drones, tape manipulation, and fuzz-drenched percussion. So if you're like me and you read a sentence like that, uh, you just start hitting the buy button on Bandcap like right away. This is most definitely like repetitious trance music. There's a clear reverence to like a history in these Afghani sounds, but there's also a lot of manipulation happening using like lo-fi for track recordings. It's very cool stuff. I mean, there are two cassettes from this project, volume one and volume two up on Bandcamp, and I can't recommend both of them enough. I mean, to me, this is like the perfect distillation of the music of a culture that very few of us understand. And this project feels like the artist is connecting or maybe even reconnecting with something very like familial. Um, so this is very psychedelic, very heavy sounds and, and totally my kind of thing.
Okay, I promise you I'm giving you something very different here. Uh, a, a little bit of a respite from the last couple tracks. So this next one is by uh, an artist named Maurice Luca. And the track is called El Mashoub. And Maurice is an Egyptian musician and producer um, who I think seems to be taking maybe a bit of a cue from Sam Shalabi in terms of being all over the place stylistically. But the thing that I love about his work is that his albums tend to hone in on like one particular vibe and sound. And the track on this album that I'm going to play uh, is definitely pulling in that like dancey, shabby music sound. So like shabby, when I say that, is it's an, basically an Egyptian musical genre. It's a popular kind of like working class music that came from uh, Beladi music, which is pretty much what people are accustomed to hearing when, you know, a belly dancer is like doing their thing. So shabby just means people or actually it means of the people. But this music is full of like fast rhythms and all of these layers of like keyboard lines stacked on top of each other. It's very propulsive and body moving music that uh, has become popular with like non-Arabic listeners, especially in the last few years. So Maurice is also a master of doing something new and fresh with these types of sounds, which often these sounds just get relegated to like party music. Um, but he, he takes them and he makes some, he makes them into something modern. I mean, just listen to like the crazy drum and bass or <laughs> actually it's like tabla and bass part, like later on in the song. So I love this stuff because it really demonstrates how fucking awesome Arabs are. If you hand them a drum.
And we've arrived at the last track. This was a long one. I don't know. I might get into doing these long ones in the future. Two-hour episodes, three-hour episodes. There's no way any of you would stick around for any for anything even remotely that long. All right. So this last one is by a group, maybe a project called Oiso Tempet. It's French. And... The song title is Mish'aref Eish Willesh, which means I don't know what or why. And the name of the album is uh, Al-An, And Your Night Is Your Shadow, A Fairy Tale Piece of Land to Make Our Dreams. So um, from from this group's band camp, uh, with this recording, it says, These are some live epiphanies improvised between Middle East and Europe during the year of chaos 2016. So there's not a whole lot of information about this project or what that could possibly mean. But, you know, on first glance, this seems to be a project made up of uh, a lot of musicians from the Levant and from France. But this is an incredible album start to finish. Um, I mean, it's really a complete work. Um, so I, all I can really showcase here is a glimpse into one side of this record. And it's definitely a moody one. I mean, the repeated lyric of the song is uh, which means, you know, like I said before, I don't know what or why. And that's pretty much the only lyrics to the song. So this reminds me a little bit of like a less bombastic Godspeed, you Black Emperor. It's very atmospheric and it's still incorporating like Arabic instruments and tones into something very melancholy. So I'm leaving this episode off on a huge bummer note because I can, and you should really expect no pleasure from this. So we'll go out on this track. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode. Feel free to write me at soniccloth at gmail.com. If you can rate and review, that would be good. It doesn't have to be positive review. Just leave any kind of feedback. I don't really care. And yeah, thanks for uh, coming along in this rabbit hole, and I'll see you again in a couple weeks.
Yeah.